What's up, podcast world, Thrive Leadership Podcast, once again, coming at you. Mm. Full bore, fifth gear, you might say, CJ. That's right. We're in fifth gear. We're in overdrive. <laughs> We're not sticking in second gear. No. I mean, a lot of people look at 2020 and they think, I'm, I'm in low gear. I'm in like four-wheel drive low gear. Now, we're fifth gear. We're overdrive, baby. Let's yes, go. we are. It's another edition, and I'm Brad Lomanek. That's CJ Alvarado, the one and only Mr. Designer, Mr. Marketing, <laughs> Mr. What, what, when, you, when somebody says, CJ, tell me what you spend your time doing, what do you tell them? Oh, I could convince in people it's time to change. That's what I do. So you're a change agent. <laughs> yeah. I guess I mean, so. <laughs> you you do, you know, a lot of people know this about you, but some may not. You, your organization, your company is called Bamboo, mm-hmm. Bamboo Creative. Mm-hmm. You're an agency. That's the way I would describe you. Yeah, we are. Right? Yep. And you help organizations with, with look and feel. You help them with, with uh, design. You help them with, with their, their social and, and marketing strategies. Yeah, yeah. What else? Yeah, we say... Them? Brand strategy and digital marketing, you know, you we're helping them with their, their story, you know, the, the things that drive human behavior oftentimes are stories. And so having a story that connects with your audience, developing that is one part of the coin. The other side of the coin is getting it to that audience today, which is becoming harder and harder because it's so noisy. Mm-hmm. But attention, you know, attention is is the currency today. We always say where the attention goes, the money flows. That's more on the marketplace side. On the nonprofit side, it's where the attention goes, the action flows. And so attention is a big, big deal for people, you know. So we spend a lot of time helping them refine their stories and then finding really creative ways to get it out to their audience so that they can have impact. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about for me, man, is helping these folks impact the world in a positive way. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to a guy who's doing that, David Kinneman, mm. president of Barna Group, who uh, sits down with the Grand Poobah. He does. Ray Johnston for a conversation. This, this happened, uh, you know, it, it, it happened a couple of months ago. So keep that in context. I mean, obviously, we're, you know, we're, we're using a lot of these conversations in different forms, on webinars and podcast format, on the website. Um, you can you can watch this entire interview in its entirety on you know at thriveconference.org, but we're in your ears right now. So we're gonna bring you an audio conversation. Um, I did have a question for you. You just mentioned brand strategy and digital marketing. So in your opinion, when you think of brand strategy and digital marketing, those two outlets, who do you think does that as good or better than anyone else in the world? organizationally, do you have like these, you know, sort of top of class brands or organizations that you use as sort of the benchmark? Sure. I mean, marketplace or just church or both? Either or. Yeah. Any of the, any of the above. The thing about brand strategy real quick is this like, it's what people think when they think about you. If I say, Hey, have you ever heard of the French laundry? You might be like, yes, expensive. Ooh. You know, if I say, what about craft lunchables? You might be like, yeah, right. Like mm-hmm. the things that come to mind, the things we feel, the things that we think about, that's really all a brand is, you know, and churches have a brand, whether they want to admit it or not. Pastors have a brand. Leaders have a brand. Your brand as a leader is in the boardroom before you're ever in the boardroom, right? When people are discussing raises and discussing who gets resources, and who's, you know, maybe worthy of a particular position, they're thinking about that around perceptions and a brand, right? So brand's very important and it very much uh, is even more important today because it's just how people make decisions. They, they, they need that to make a decision. So organizations that do it well are not always just big organizations. You've got companies like Nike and Apple. They do a great job. Churches like Elevation and Life Church and North Point, they do a good job, you know, just kind of being intentional. Hillsong obviously does a phenomenal job shaping yeah. that. But then you have smaller companies that are really fun to watch. You have like a, one of the examples I like to use is Halo Top, the ice cream company. Mm-hmm. You know, they entered a market with giants like Dryers, Briars, Ben and Jerry's, and they come in and snatch up more market share than a lot of those companies combined. And a, and a reason why they do that is they understand their story and they understand how to get it to the market, you know? So, I could go on and on about this stuff, but there, there's just so many, you know, uh, organizations that, that really are doing it well. 
Yeah. No, that's good, man. Well, you also have your own podcast. I mean, we're talking about the, the other Thrive podcast <laughs> that are out there. The Women's Leadership Podcast. Yes. The, the Ray Johnson Leadership Podcast and mm-hmm. the CJ Podcast. I'm working on one. I mean, when, when are we going to get to actually listen to this thing? <laughs> That's isn't, the it, isn't that the dilemma? It's like it working on the stuff, but you got to ship it. Like our friend, Seth Godin, Seth Godin says, That's right. Thank yeah. you, Seth. Ship it. Yes. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, I just got to ship the thing, man. Well, let's put it, let's, let's just decide right now that we well, let's make a deadline. And then that way we can all hold you to it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. You're, you're just, you're avoiding me. You're, you're... two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. Oh, two weeks. I like it. Okay. We'll have episodes one through three. Oh, I mean, can you reveal the name of this thing? Um, we've got some, some things in the running. Okay. We've got the take new ground podcast. Cause that's what we feel like. My purpose is help leaders take new ground, do the new thing, you know, mm-hmm. kind of forgetting the old and getting to the new. So we're, we're playing around with some topics. I might, I might, I might bring you into that mix. Get your Listen, thoughts. Ha- have me on. I'm, I'm a, I'm a thought leader, man. Listen, I, <laughs> oh, I'm, I know I'm that a big thought leader, right? I mean, this is, you know, you, you, you'll, your re- listen, your listenership will go up by at least three. <laughs> hey that's great that'll be a massive uh, adjustment because that's uh, exponential you know based on what it is currently so there, that's there you go thing. well again david kenneman is uh our guest on this episode and you know many of you have have may not even know that it it was from david kenneman's brain but he has as the president of barna group he is involved in lots of things that we end up reading research arguably the most influential research firm, mm. especially for the church in America right now and creating lots of great resources, um, you know, constantly kind of keeping us up, up and up to date on what's happening. So we love their work. We uh, really appreciate who he is. And um, the thing I also love about David is just, he's a follower of Jesus and a passionate follower of Jesus, you know, yeah. He, He's like helping the church, but he also is deeply committed to growing in his own personal walk with Christ. And um, many of you know his his wife's battle that uh, has been ongoing for many years, and she recently passed away. I mean, the 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 way that their family is just even navigating that that issue and that story is pretty remarkable. So um, he's one of those leaders that you can trust, and um, so I. I I just, I want to say, a, you know, a thank you to him for just being so faithful to providing for all of us resources that are helpful, especially as we navigate even the times we're in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now more than ever, we need that research that David and his really competent team have been working on. I mean, they've been, they've been going at this for many years, just being a great voice uh, for uh, the church, especially, you know, there's not a lot of organizations providing statistical analysis and, and data research, you know, for churches around the, the country and the world. So uh, I echo that, that sentiment, Brad, we're super, I'm super thankful for the work these guys do. Yeah. Well, this is a great conversation. I know you're going to, you're going to find some things that are helpful and, and hopefully encouraging and, and even challenging, you know, and, and so, uh, this is this is uh, Ray Johnston sitting down with David Kinnaman, the president of Barna Group. What a privilege for us to um, have Dave Kinneman on the show today. And many of you will know uh, Dave from, uh, as he's the president of the Barna Group, we have tapped into his resources in the past. I'm originally from Ireland and Europe, and it's had even a massive impact upon the Church of Europe, his research and everything that he's been doing. 
this is a guy that is one sharp thinker, uh, uh, but he's able to get all of that thinking, make it so accessible. And he's a profoundly wonderful human being. Just uh, being able to listen to him on various podcasts and access that. This guy has a heart for people, but he has a great mind for the church. So Dave, thank you so much for taking the time and being here today. We're going to hit you with a lot of questions and uh, hopefully you're going to enjoy being on the Ray Johnson podcast, being on the Thrive webinar. Thanks so much. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Dave. Uh, hey, the first thing, first thing, we're really, thanks for your time, by the way. I love talking with people who spend their time figuring out what's happening now and what likely is going to happen in the future. Um, we talked earlier that, you know, we're called to be the light of the world too often. The church is the taillight and arrives last. And some of those things can change. Here's what I want to start with. Um, you impacted me and Bayside greatly years ago when you wrote the book unchristian. And I think the subtitle of that was what the next, what a new generation really thinks about Christianity and why it matters. Okay. If I can take you back a little bit, what are two or three discoveries that you made then that are even more true today that we all need to be aware of? Well, it was a, a fun book, but a sobering book to work on. And the research started with my friend Gabe Lyons uh, and I talking about the brand of Christianity. And I've been doing a lot of brand research. I've been here at, at Barna now for 25 years. And uh, I actually figured I would be a pastor. My dad is a pastor of a big church in Phoenix, Arizona. I actually figured I'd follow in his footsteps. And, um, and, and so year one year became three and three became nine. And about year nine, I met Gabe Lyons. We started working on, uh, see the shout out to my dad, Gary Kinnaman, an amazing guy, hero of mine. And, um, and, uh, when Gabe Lyons approached me to work on this research, we wanted to understand like, what did not young non-Christians really think about Christianity? Did all this qualitative work, uh, interviewing people. And, and it was so often like one of the most interesting comments people made was, was just one, one particular comment, but it, but it so reflected the spirit of that study was that Christianity has become a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. And it's like a distortion of what it was really intended to be and what Jesus really intended. That's actually where we got the title unchristian. It was like, you know, Jesus has sort of left the building. Um, now, there are some things that are true about that, some things that are not true about that. It turns out that, you know, people's perceptions aren't always correct. Uh, but perception is reality. And so um, one of the things that I found so interesting was, was, you know, early on, we started talking about the church's reputation related to sexuality and the same, you know, LGBT community. And, you know, one of the, the, the real revelations of that research was that among young non-Christians, we were known for all the things we oppose rather than the things that we're for. And now fast forward uh, to the present reality. We actually did an update on a lot of those perceptions in this project called The Connected Generation. We did a study with World Vision on uh, global young adults, 18 to 35. And most of the perceptions are about the same. Um, they haven't changed much in the last 10 years. And, um, and, and, and what, what has changed, though, is the speed and pace of the digital world that this generation is, is growing up in, um, the, the ways in which um, they're sort of the, the, the level of snark and, 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 and um, criticism towards the church now is taking shape in the form of sort of, uh, you know, short YouTube videos and other kinds of things that sort of undercut the veracity of scripture or, you know, cut into the, the credibility of, of today's leaders. And I actually think what I'm seeing in the data is in addition to the negative perceptions that still exist, that what's happening is it's harder than ever for us to be earnest to say, here's what we really, really mean. Like mm -hmm. the, the work of ministry is now layered with all of these, like, what are you really saying? And, and subtext and subtweeting. And, you know, it's like people don't have the same ability just to hear like a message and then say, okay, I, I think I get it. You're speaking from the heart. You're speaking to me. You mean well, you're not trying to market to me. Um, and that's been a really interesting journey. Um, I've had the privilege now of 10 years, 10 years plus of, of interviewing more than 100,000 millennials and Gen Z, not individually, but through our social research. And I hear all of the stories uh, from the most resilient young Christians to young non-Christians to the sort of lapsed Christians um, and, and the you lost me stories. And it's such a privilege. It's like a sacred honor for me to hear from people who have gone through our Christian, you know, through our Christian churches and they've either served, they grow deeper in faith or they lapse in faith. And um, one of the most heartbreaking interviews we did 
a few years ago was uh, with a, a qualitative interview with a young woman who had left the church and we were asking about the youth pastor at the church. This is an illustration of, of how things are even more complicated. And so we were going through this conversation. I said, you know, tell me about the people that you knew and the friends that you had there. And, you know, she sort of had positive things to say, some negative things to say. I said, what about the youth pastor? And uh, very quickly said, well, that person was paid to be my friend. And it was like part of the church marketing department. And so that's the, that's the, the shift, right? The negative perceptions exist, but there's this undercurrent of like, you really can't trust um, people in authority and, and the, the message of earnestness. Like, I think humor is changing in terms of how we communicate to this next generation because they don't know what to take seriously. They don't know what to sort of dismiss. And there's this real sense in which no one around them really believes in them for, for their potential rather than for the potential of just being one member in the, in the church. Yep. Wow. The, um, Andrew's got a question about Church Pulse Weekly. Which yeah, yeah. You, you head up Church Pulse Weekly. Uh, I think everyone can get that information. Stateofthechurch.com. That's I right. love that title. Absolutely great. Everyone go to that after this, stateofthechurch.com. You, you work there, partnership with Glue. But give us a perspective, uh, David, on the last four months. Uh, I don't think there's been a more disruptive season that we could remember. But give us a, a perspective, the last four months uh, for pastors from a research perspective. Yeah, I, I, I've been saying the last couple of weeks, I feel like I've, I've been practicing for 25 years as a social researcher for these last four months because things are changing so much. And the importance of research, I think, has never been more important for us to stay connected to what other leaders are thinking. And as leaders who are, who are here on, on the Zoom call today, to stay connected with what your people are, 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 are thinking. And this would be one thing I would just say to you as leaders, one of the very best sets of practices you could have is to, 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 to stay really well connected with the people that you're serving. Talk and, you know, get, get on a Zoom call, talk to a millennial in your, in your congregation, talk to a, a teenager in your congregation, you know, stay connected, use, use some of the free tools we've developed at uh, Barna Access, free check-ins that you can use to stay connected. Because as, as Ray said, I, I completely agree. I don't think there's ever been a time that I've lived through. And, and even as I talked to my dad, who's in his early 70s, you know, there's never been a time as disruptive to ministry as the last four months have been. Um, and that goes deep for our identity as communicators and as pastors and shepherds. Uh, that goes deep into the kind of relational s structures that we have. Um, and, and so there's all sorts of things I'd love to unpack in the next few minutes with this. But, but what we're seeing is, um, you know, a third of pastors, we just did this, this research um, over the weekend, the last, um, was like Thursday through Sunday, um, fresh off the, off the presses. And one third of pastors say they're dealing with burnout uh, higher than the normal levels. Uh, one third say they're dealing with d d discouragement in ministry. Um, uh, there's a real, we, we did some tracking about state of pastors four years ago. We did a big, big study and, um, and the level of the number of pastors today who are questioning their calling uh, is is like four times what it was uh, back then, and so this is a really you know all industries as you said Ray even even small business owners are are struggling. I mean, teachers and educators are struggling. Um, political leaders are are trying to make sense of this. I mean, everyone is right. Healthcare leaders, but for those of us who are who are who are pastors who are trying to care for souls in this new reality. Um, th this is definitely not what we signed up for. And it's not the kind of, you know, kind of community that we imagined. And so we're all trying to, to do some things that I think are, are really important. And I'll just say one, one, one thesis that I have, and I've been sort of, if there's a central message about my ministry, it's about like changes here. Let's understand what God's doing. Isaiah 43, 19, mm -hmm. behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And, and so I think that church attendance was collapsing before COVID. We see all sorts of evidence that, that people are coming less often per month, per year. Their, their attention is, is, is diverted. If there's any good side of COVID, we sort of referenced it earlier, there's actually they have more time. If we were concerned about kids and young adults being too busy, they got more time now. That's not going to be the excuse that they come up with. But I think this is this whole crisis is going to accelerate the church into a new and healthier, more more vibrant approach to doing the work of ministry and growing people into the likeness of Jesus. Uh, but it's going to require us uh, as leaders to really look deep in the mirror and understand what what 
the creator of the universe is calling us to do in ministry. Um, and again, some of us didn't sign up for this sort of digital ministry era, uh, but we have a great opportunity to, to do the things and, and like that we've been practicing for 25 years for these four months and, and what lies ahead. Yeah, no kidding. The <laughs> Sunday, by the way, your, your comment about, I didn't, this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> That's fabulous. Oh, I said that to my wife a month ago. I said, I want an easier job like being Donald Trump's Twitter manager. Uh, they <laughs> anything would be easier these days. And, and so, so we'll have that conversation. We'll have that conversation next week. One of the things that has been discouraging to people, uh, most pastors, has been the, their, their online attendance week three they were, depending on how they were counting, they were going, I'm reaching millions, okay? Now they're going, where did everybody go? Right. Is that a nationwide trend? What is, 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 is my church the only church in online decline? No, you're not. That's uh, absolutely part of the trends we've been tracking with Church Pulse Weekly um, is that the first four weeks or so, really leading up to Digital Easter, um, I think the novelty of it and uh, the, the sense in which like after nine 11 was one of the highest attended weekends in church. Mm -hmm. So crisis people do turn to the church. And so, you know, I think there was a real sense in which people were turning to the church for, for, for to deal with the, with the quarantine, to deal with crisis, to check out the novelty of online church. Um, but we've seen incredible declines really since Easter. Uh, the novelty is wearing out, wearing off about uh, three in 10, practicing Christians have admitted in our surveys, which is a big thing for people to do, that they're literally just checked out until, until people come back to church. And, and um, you know, and, and millennials, among millennial practicing Christians, it's half of them have said that. And I would, I would actually pose this to, to the viewers today, the, the, those who are jo joining us. I think one of the reasons perhaps that this is the case, and I offer this without, without cynicism, but just an honest question is, I think that a lot of what we try to do as church leaders is to do what we ordinarily do in person, the job we signed up for, uh, but to do it in the comfort of, of, of sort of, sort of uh, broadcasting that digitally. But if you look at the habits of millennials and the sheer volume of hours that especially young people, Gen Z and millennials are using mm -hmm. YouTube, uh, social media uh, means, but especially YouTube, I mean, um, and, and, and things like um, TikTok and other things. Mm -hmm. But the nature of inherently digital content is very different than what they would experience from a typical church that's really trying to practice this. We're sort of fish out of water, uh, many of us. And, um, and again, there's many churches that are doing really good things. I don't mean to, dis to diminish that. But I think there's a whole new innovative era for us to learn from, especially those that are the most comfortable in that digital environment. I mean, let's let's find some millennials in our churches and in our communities who are, are really comfortable with creating YouTube content, inherently digital content, and see if there's other ways we could do things that are very different maybe than what we would ordinarily just do, do in, a, in a typical worship uh, setting. But I think that's part of what is happening. Like church attendance was already on the decline because it, 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 it has certain relevance where people come 1.7 times a month on average. But is there a way for us to really think about what is inherently digital uh, ministry now. Like we're going to be working on a study looking at sort of creating a, a, a digital prayer ministry. And like, what does it mean to really truly experience God's presence through a screen? And how do we invite him in? And what are the postures and practices? What are the best <clears throat> practices for us to do that? And I'm really excited about, you know, church, uh, sort of um, spreading the vision of churches really leaning in to God meeting us uh, in, in ways that we would have never anticipated and, and in ways that actually, I think, actually work for our modern life and the screen-driven content and the screen sort of screen-oriented lives all of us are now living. Yep. Yeah. So, so I got a, a, another, I have a little bit of a follow-up question to this. Um, I was on a board for years with the guy that was the uh, producer of the Raiders and Lost Ark movies. A real neat, committed Christian guy. Um, we were talking about, you know, sort of old Christian movies and why nobody liked them and why <laughs> they were just creepy and really people didn't want to watch them. They gotten better recently. But he said the problem is this. He said the people that are putting those on, most of those people don't make movies for a living. They're, right. they're not. He said 
He said, matter of fact, the cuts are all too slow. He said, if I were doing one of those things, they would have four, every cut would be quick. He goes, Christian movies are so slow to cut. They just don't know what they're doing. They don't have editing skills. In other words, they don't, in, in a sense, he's saying they are doing something badly, hoping everybody will watch it. Okay. Uh, that might be true of what we are putting online now in services. Uh, can you reflect on that? And then what would you recommend we do about it? Well, uh, what I what I hear in that question, and I hadn't thought about it quite this way before, but you know, if you look at those old old time, you know, Christian movies, and and even some of them now, what they are trafficking is earnestness, right? Like it's there's sort of message based. Like here's here's the point. We're going to put it on the the on the, the bottom shelf for you. You can't miss what we're t- trying to tell you. And I think that's I think we're living in an anti earnest age. You know, it's like whatever your political opinions today, like people who are conservative who support Trump, like like Trump is sometimes earnest, sometimes he's not earnest, sometimes he's genuine, sometimes he's disingenuous. Other leaders, like we've all sort of realized now this is about our political environment. And so I think there is a real sense in which this generation, younger generations especially, are like, yeah, exactly to your point. This, there has to be a real sort of self-effacing, a re, like, like genuineness about who we are in ministry. And, and, and um, uh, you know, like Jefferson Bethke does a YouTube channel, uh, you know, one, like spend time on, on YouTube channels of guys and, and women who are just killing it Christian or otherwise, and understand what does it look like for them to be authentically who they are. You know, like like the first time I saw one of Jefferson's videos, I was like, well, this feels like kind of low production value. You know, he's like doing these kind of hard edits between takes, and and it's like, but it's but it all feels like that's Jefferson in his kitchen. You know, like with his kids doing what he does. And I think there's a real sense in which we're in a, living in an anti-earnest age. Mm-hmm. What does it mean for us to 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 find a way? to speak from the heart, to break through those barriers and to do so on screens. It's like, it's never been more possible, but we have to work hard at thinking about exactly that, that, that it's like, literally, how do we make cuts? How do we think about the content? How do we think about, you know, allowing the Holy Spirit, you know, and literally asking, come Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, really, really thinking less about, um, uh, you, you know, people believing us and, and us as ministry leaders believing what we have to say, um, yep. I think this is a real crisis for me as a as for me as a as a as a leader. You know, my my wife, many of you will know, my wife has brain cancer, and we're dealing with a lot of pressures personally. And you know, we're like like you know trying to help my own kids go through the coronavirus. I've got a 21 year old at Berkeley and a 19 year old at Biola and a 16 year old, and their mom's been very sick and. You know, like I've had my own sets of challenges. Like, what do I believe about the power of prayer today? How do I think about leading as a as a Christian? And you know, going through a period of suffering, and what does that mean about what? Like, do I quit? Do I stay? And, and you know, I find that if we can really, like, you know, um, find a, a, a way, and you'll see, like, just as I told something true about my story in the last ninety seconds. There's a difference than just like me pontificating about, you know, the research. And so how do we as leaders, you know, how do we as leaders really truly believe the things that we say? And that we're not just trying to like, you know, get people to sign up for the cause. We're trying to get people to like have a deep life in Jesus. And I I believe this is an unprecedented moment for that, uh, that kind of leaning in uh, into life in the spirit and life in, in, in Christ. Uh, David, you, you, just to follow up on this, um, Ray, well, actually Ray has this saying of like with leaders about 15% of us can probably create and 85% should copy, you know, just copy, copy, copy. And you mentioned Jefferson there. Who at this moment in time do you think is like, uh, hey, go and check them out because they're on to something. Obviously, there's no blueprint for this. But I think a lot of pastors are out there and they're looking at Stephen Furtick and they're getting a new gym membership and they're pumping up and they're, you know, they're working really hard. They're trying to be like Greg Rochelle and get the chin. And, you know, <laughs> what, what, what do you think? Who should we be looking at to get some clues, some ideas that, hey, they've got something at the moment? Yeah, I, I mean, first, I, I so believe in the power of God's spirit inside of each of us as leaders to tell us the the, the, the true way to go, the true north and what he's calling each of us to do. And, and I, I think, first of all, like r- really do the work. And um, a friend of mine, a pastor was, was saying recently, 
that for all of us as leaders, whether we're, we're ministry leaders or business leaders, we should really understand what are the two, three, four, or five things we can absolutely deliver. None of us can promise um, certainty right now, but we can give clarity. And even in my organization here at Barna, it's like, here's the three things I'm in charge of uh, and that I can, I, can, I can certainly provide clarity on, but I can't provide certainty about future business or future opportunities or any of that. But I can at least say, here's where I'm going to show up to manage our pipeline and incoming clients, to think about our, our culture, to think about our, our partnership with this, with this company called Glue. And so I've got my, the three things I can always promise to show up on. So I think first, get really clear on what you're going to do through this disruption and don't be distracted by you know, the 17 things you should have done on Tuesday morning, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but secondly, I think um, I would mention John Tyson as you do that yeah. process of figuring out how you, how you can build like the three, five, three to five things that you're going to do to show up for your organization. Um, I think there's ways that you should learn and see, hey, what are people doing when it comes to creating culture? What are, what are they doing when it comes to creating prayer, a prayer culture? And John Tyson mm-hmm. is a hero of mine, pastor in New York City, a good friend. Um, we were interviewing him uh, re- recently and he was talking about the fact that he's been doing a lot of digital courses uh, for his people. And he's realizing that, you know, in the digital moment, he's still doing his usual preaching, but he's trying to organize then that content uh, into digestible formats with with a, a workbook and a syllabus. And they're, they're editing, you know, content into, into less of a, a, a homiletic structure and more of an educational structure. And, and, and this gets to one of, one of the things that I've been thinking about for many, many years is that um, the church's Christian education muscle is really atrophied. It's been atrophied for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think we've got a generation of incredible communicators and preachers, the homiletic side of the, of the oratorical and rhetorical muscle, but we need a better um, pedagogical structure, big word, but like we need better learning structures. So if you talk about human sexuality, think of the problem we have, right? If you talk about human sexuality or vocation or how to think about sort of public health or how to think about sort of basic theology, if the problem is, sorry, I get passionate about this stuff, but if the problem is that the typical Christian is only going to go maybe 1.7 times a month and they're pretty darn active and there's no sort of structured content, Mm. how in the world are we going to teach someone about even the basics of faith in today's environment when they're they're, they're picking and choosing from all this really great content, but they're just selectively p- picking things, you know, off the tree. And then it's being especially undone, I believe, more than ever with the power of what I call digital Babylon, the gospel according to YouTube. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I've got all this other stuff that's in my brain about how to think about human sexuality or how to think about vocation or how to think about finance or think about parenting. So even in the introduction to this, this conference, you know, you guys are talking about providing great content to Christian families. And, you know, like that's, this is an incredible opportunity for churches to show up with more than just good preaching. That's still really important, but more than just that, um, a real sense of like, yeah, if you're going to be a great Christian parent, when it comes to technology, here's six short videos you should watch and you should watch them all because there's actually a sequence, a scope and sequence to this. So I think we need to be partnering more with Christian education minded people as church leaders. And that would be one John Tyson was a good example of someone I think we should be learning from on a lot of different levels. He's, he's got a lot of great leadership principles that I think he's employing today, but that's one, one of them. Yeah. Hey, by the way, those of you listening to this, um, sometimes I take notes. Sometimes I don't take notes. When somebody's really brilliant, I take a lot of notes. I'm on my second page. This digital Babylon is a brilliant phrase because it is sh- fundamentally nobody's going to live well until they think well, and most people are going to think the things that have been delivered into them. Okay, and so I think to get into this game, uh, we have a phrase we use here, um, David, and it's it's maximize. The, how can we maximize the one sixty seven? Mm-hmm. In other words, we get people for an hour a week. Okay, how can we, this is a this is a prime shot at how do we deliver great Christian content so we get people transformed and established with the other 167 because everybody else is flooding them during that time too. How do that's we? Ex- that's a that's a great line. I think a great philosophy of ministry for the for church leaders going forward, maximizing the 167. Yeah. yeah. So I got a, I got another question. Um, how? most pastors right now 
what's troubling them is this, and Brad Lominick and I were talking about this a little bit. We're going, most pastors take the summer and they kind of recharge. Right. right? And then the fall launch happens. You know, in other words, the fall is all about momentum right now. Most pastors right now, their summer isn't recharging and there is no fall launch because they haven't got a clue what to do. Okay, so how would you recommend we pivot as we move into a new ministry season this fall? And then how would you hook that to creating any momentum? Great question. It's almost as if you're reading off the, the data and, and we haven't, you know, talked in a long time, Ray. Uh, so you wouldn't have known the data, but we found that in, in it's the same study I mentioned this, just a few minutes ago about a third of pastors feeling discouraged. 88% of pastors said that they feel like their normal back to school outreach rhythms are going to be fundamentally disrupted. And um, so... <clears throat> Um, li- listen, let's just all sort of ad- admit that this is not going to be sort of business as usual. It's not going to be ministry as usual season. So give yourselves permission to really learn some new things, right? Like it's okay to fail at some things and to try some things. And, and you know, uh, as hard as it is, if that, again, I know a lot of you as leaders feel responsible to staff and and, you know, there's governance issues, but let's just use this period of time. Like behold, a new thing is happening. Let's Let's not waste this moment for repentance on issues of race and racial justice, for, uh, for, for repentance when it comes to maybe over-relying on the Sunday morning worship and that there is a, a like if, that, if maximizing the 167, how would we redesign ministry um, if we had to redo it? When, when my, friend, my friend and I wrote a book called Faith for Exiles about digital Babylon. And he wrote a sentence that I almost redlined out. He said, if, if, imagine if we had to run church without a Sunday morning, without the worship band, without the preaching. And I was almost like, like Mark, that's not even a church, brother. And, uh, but I was like, oh, that's all right, we'll leave it in. But it's, it feels like a very prophetic statement because here we are now having to do church and grow people into the likeness, likeness of Christ in a moment where we can't do the usual things. So first, just give yourself permission to experiment, to try some things. Um, as, as, we, uh, as we said, um, uh, I see the question, what is 167? That's the number of hours, 168 hours a week. So 167 is all the rest of the hours outside of the, the Sunday morning worship. And so, you know, let's give ourselves permission to really think about this. Here, here's an example. We've been seeing some youth leaders who are saying, hey, I'm not going to be able to keep up with the gospel according to YouTube. What I'm going to do is create a playlist of podcasts and video YouTube channels for the students in my ministry. And we're going to do, we're going to do more guided work. We're going to do stuff on, on vocation. We're going to help them think about the disrupted moment because now those were high school, they're, they're not sure whether, when they're going back to school, the job market's changing. We're going to go really deep with those students to help them understand their calling and their giftedness. And we're going to do all that virtually. We're going to just sort of change how it is we're thinking about doing youth group on, on, you know, the Wednesday night or whatever. So I just think there's so many great things that you've been, you've been, you've been trying some things the last four months already, like what worked, what didn't. Uh, what are some things that you can do differently and experiment and try it uh, and, you know, sort of think through what are the ways that we can sort of deepen our roots as a church community? I think this is actually, it's like I said, I think the muscles of Christian education are very atrophied. Use this period to rebuild some, some muscles of Christian education within your church community. Yep. Wonderful. Uh, Dave, you talk about muscles there and Christian body needing to work the muscles. I think if the, the Christian, if the church were a body, Barna would be the brain, okay? Um, how do we access everything that you are working on? How, how does everyone from a local church really connect to your incredible research and some of your data and some of your conclusions? How can we really jump in? Yeah, thanks Thanks for asking. You know, the... Um uh, the best thing to do is to check out this brand new subscription service uh, called BarnaAccess.com. And uh, there's some free materials there, like these free leader check-ins that you can use with your people to see how they're doing. We have a race and faith poll, like how do the people in your church feel about issues of race, race and racial justice? Um, mm. We can't minister to them effectively if we don't understand where they're at. Um, we have stuff on how they're feeling, you know, how, how they're doing in terms of flourishing, how are they doing in, in their finances and vocation and their mental health. So a lot of free resources, that's all being made available with our partnership with a technology company called Glue. Uh, and, and then Access Plus, so there's a free membership to Access 
like check it out. It's lots of cool stuff available for free. Always been built into our DNA as a ministry to give stuff away for free. Uh, and, and then Access Plus is subscription, super low rates uh, for individuals, teams, and, and whole churches. Uh, and that's where you can get, you know, digital access to all of these reports and PowerPoint slides. Um, you know, that's, I think, one of our, our opportunities to help you as communicators um, uh, to, um, to be able to understand more about, you know, to, to download data. So I, I want to try to equip you to speak to the geeks and nerds in your congregation. You've got people who are working in, in, in the Bay Area. You've got people who are who are super smart, right? They're working in technology. They're working in healthcare. Uh, we've when I go to uh, have the privilege of going to speak at a church when when, when that was happening. Remember those days? Yeah. Um, a lot of times, the, the people that you know spoke at a church in Cincinnati, and and the people at Procter and Gamble, members of the Procter and Gamble staff, came up to me and was like, "Wow, I've never thought of my faith in the way that you described it." Mm-hmm. Uh, so, sort of this this geeky, you know, here's where things are at. And so we want to try to equip you as leaders to be even more credible. Here's what the facts say. Download like every single PowerPoint slide I've ever used is available at Barna Access. So barnaaccess.com is the link. And uh, we want to try to empower you, especially to be thinking through what does this era of you know, disruption mean? Uh, we're launching next week a, a next-gen cohort or channel on that uh, Barna Access, which will give you tons of insights and sort of Q&A sessions with me and Mark Matlock and others on our team. Like, what do we do in children's ministry? What do we do in kids ministry? What do we do in youth ministry? How do we reinvent how we're doing this to really make a difference in the, the, the life of anxious young adults, like mental health and anxiety? How do we deal with trauma? Oh, here's one more thing I wanted to say. You know, after, after the um, Vietnam, like no one had ever heard of post-traumatic stress disorder, right? And I think this is going to be one of these moments that like we have to become a trauma-informed, anxiety-oriented, like, like ministering to people in the anxiety of this present age, um, and especially millennials and Gen Z. But this is true of all adults and um, in, in ways that we wouldn't have expected prior to COVID. But like, like mental health and, and caring for people and being emotionally connected as a community. Um, you know, like I interview people who made a decision to Christ because you guys had the exact right music playing at that moment. And people look back and I interview them and they say, I feel like I was emotionally manipulated Mm -hmm. to make a decision for Christ. And I'm asking you guys to think not just in the present moment, but like a year down the road or five years down the road, how will people feel about their decision to be part of this Jesus community. We've gotten really, really good at this, but we have to reinvent how it is we, we build our, our, our muscles and, and b- b- take the roots deeper into who Christ really is, not just in our own power of persuasion. So a lot of what we've been trying to do and the tools we've been building and the, you know, sort of like the truth sets you free. That's one of our, our mission statements here at Barn. It turns out it comes from Jesus. But, um, you know, like we, uh, we, we really want to try to help you as leaders. Like the truth sets you free to be the kind of leader, the honest, comfortable in your skin leader that you were meant to be. And, and so, uh, you know, we invite you to join Barna Access, whether free or paid, but, but that's the very best way that church leaders can get the very best of Barna uh, through what we do. Great. Hey, uh, David, we're running out of time here, but first of all, if you're going to plagiarize for anybody, Jesus is a pretty good one to pull stuff. <laughs> Fair enough. So, um, the, my last question is this. Uh, we got a lot of people listening to our pastors. Um, what are the t- top two or three things pastors should be doing right now? Well, first, um, we should be spending as much time as we possibly can in scripture. I've been using uh, Tim and Kathy Keller's uh, meditations on Psalms every day. Uh, the Lord's been, I'm a big fan of Daniel and, and living faithfully in, uh, in Babylon. Cause I think that describes our time. Uh, the last 60 days, the Lord really has had me in Nehemiah about what does it mean to rebuild and all of us sort of taking up our space along the wall. And it's a, it's a joint effort. So for me, scripture has been uh, always just this, um, this place that I, 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 I find whatever kind of contentedness I can find in, in leading and, and, and being a husband and, you know, going through the, the personal challenges that we are. Uh, so, you know, anchor yourself in scripture, number one, and, and in prayer. Um, and then just, you know, just be willing to experiment, like write down, um, I have like these five commitments that I've made about, you know, not being crabby, uh, about, about like, like being, being grateful for the team that I have, 
uh, and for you know the, the the giftedness that they have about about thinking and just like just trying to like these and most days I've been repeating to myself myself you know for a while now so. There, I don't have to read it every day, but it's like it's changed my perspective. And then, and then think then about what it's going to look like for you. What are the two, three things, five things that you're really committed to controlling and 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 being showing up every day for your team and your church to do? Uh, culture, you know, like you know, like every day you should talk to somebody. Uh, in, or, or, or what, with whatever frequency works for you, you know, you should talk to people and just try to learn, just try to listen, just try to, how can we help? And, and, and for me then, um, you know, being committed to those things, you can't give people certainty and you should, you should be really clear about that, I think, in your communication, but you can give them clarity. Uh, I think Andy Stanley said that. And uh, so I think more and more, uh, more and more, we need to be committed to that. But just, guys, it's an uncomfortable time. Like, like, admit to yourselves, like, this, is, this sucks. None of us signed up for this. And um, this isn't this isn't this isn't fun, but God, how can you take our roots deeper into you, so that our churches and our communities can be places of of deep and lasting transformation? And I just firmly believe that God has, you know, the the the, the prophet Isaiah is like, you know, now I'm doing a new thing, you know, now it springs up, and you can almost hear in the prophet writing that, like the whisper, you know, do you not perceive it? You know, and it's like, like I feel like that's the, this moment for us of just really leaning into God's whisper in our heart, heart as leader, as leaders to realize that like none of us are, are like we, God doesn't grant us certainty; He just gives us clarity. So anyway, love you guys. I'm I've been inspired by the research, learning all the ways you're working hard to to be faithful in the face of discouragement and long odds and checking out, learn how to figure out how many people showed up on your Facebook live last weekend. I mean, there's so many things that, you know, we've had to, we've had to figure out, but um, I'm so encouraged by what it is you're doing as leaders. And I, I love you. I'm here for you. Uh, we're in this together. Dave, can I ask you just two things really, really quick? Uh, you heard, we mentioned earlier on, we're going to have an apologetics conference we would love to have you on that. I think there's a lot of stuff that you are saying that's going to help a lot of people that would access that conference. So uh, in Ireland, we would say you would be a darling if you said yes. I'd be happy to. <laughs> okay. We would really, really appreciate that. And, and second thing is, I'm sure that every single person that's watching right now was touched by that moment when you talked about your wife. Yeah. And and just how how can we pray for you guys at, at this moment? Uh, you man, you've got a great head, but you got a beautiful heart. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Well, it's been three years of her having uh, brain cancer, um, and you can pray for my kids. You can pray for you know our extended family. Um, you know, it's an interesting. It's the area I'm struggling with the most. Is she grew up Christian Science? She came to Christ in uh, in. Uh, Cal Jernigan's youth ministry, a pastor in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, the Lord saved her from so many, you know, challenging things. Uh, grew up as an adop- as an adopted young, you know, as a, an adopted baby. So I'm struggling a lot with just like, God, like, you know, Jill's story, she's been such a strength for us. Um, for those of you who are true geeks like I am, the Lord of the Rings, like if it turns out Frodo isn't the hero, uh, Samwise Gamgee is the hero of that story. And uh, and Jill's the Samwise of of our family and of 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 our life, and so I'm struggling with that. Like 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 it's been hard to try to have the emotional center when you know it feels like in these dark days, um, you know my partner isn't herself. You know she's been having a lot of of disorientation, confusion. You know right before we started, she's like, "Hey Dave, will you call me? I'm really confused about something." It's so hard. I'm saying all that. Because our hope is in Jesus, friends. Our hope isn't in this life. It's in Jesus. And so you can pray for me. You can pray for my kids. You can pray for her. Um, and, you know, like it turns out we're all in this kind of challenging environment. Just It's just when, when COVID happened for me, it was like, hey, this is sort of like the reality of my life. I can't give certainty to anything, any time. Um, so the Lord's been preparing me in some fashion through this suffering and God doesn't waste our suffering. So I would just love, love you to pray for us in that way. And, and again, it's like, uh, I'm just so encouraged by what it is you're trying to do here as leaders uh, to care for people, even me, even a, you know, like a dumb author of some books, like, you know, like you guys are caring for me and we are the Christian community who believes that this stuff is actually real. Yeah. Yeah. David, um, I'm watching our chat string. 
everybody loves you. I mean, it's like, who is this smart and this authentically spiritual? You're just a great combination. Uh, and, and everybody's going, I mean, people are praying for you on the chat string. And uh, we'll have some wrap-up things to say here in a minute. But, Andrew, would you pray for David and his wife? And, and David, what's your wife's name? Uh, Jill. Jill. Yep. Uh, Father, we pray uh, for David and for Jill and for their, their precious three children. And Lord, your word promises that you are close to the brokenhearted. You're actually drawn, Lord. You don't run from suffering. You, your word says in Isaiah, Lord, that you were a man who was acquainted with grief. You were, well, you were familiar with suffering. Your greatest title is the suffering servant. And, and Lord, we believe that you're a healer and, and we dare pray in the name of Jesus. And, and I know, Lord, that David has prayed so much, Lord, for even the impossible at this moment. And yet, Lord, I pray for, uh, Lord, not only the miracle, but I, I pray, God, for, um, Lord, all everyone from the medical world that is currently helping too. Father, I thank you that you work through doctors and nurses. And, and I just pray, God, that they would be able to help at this time, and just guided by your Holy Spirit. And I pray most of all, Lord, as David said, that their roots would run even deeper into Christ at this time. And they would draw from you, Lord, the presence of the Holy Spirit, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Help the children, Lord, with their faith, with their questions at this moment. And I just pray, God, that you would rise above the storm, help them in it, God, and uh, just keep guiding them, Lord, moment by moment, and day by day. Thank you, Lord, for David. Bless him in his ministry. And Lord, thank you that we get to share, Lord, in his Christ-likeness today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. David, I just want to, first of all, thank you. It's really great to hear from you. I, this better not be the last time we do this. They, um, we, we, um, what you triggered something in me, and I did not think this uh, would go this direction, but about 20 years ago, the clarity certainty thing about 20 years ago, we had a family at Bayside, great couple. And she got pregnant with their second child and met with a doctor. And the doctor said, I hate to tell you this, it was about 12 weeks into the pregnancy, but something's wrong. And your baby um, is born. Hey, they just got such, such defects. Your baby will probably not be carried to term or when the baby is born, the baby will live maybe a minute. You just need it. So I'd recommend you terminate this pregnancy. They prayed about it and they just felt like God's not leading us to do this. And with no expectations of anything other than a tragic ending. And um, they carried it to term. The baby was born and the doctor said, well, the baby may make it through the night, may not make it through the night. Well, miraculously, the baby made it through the night. Okay. And the next night, the next night. So the, the doctor said, well, this still isn't a long-term thing. However, if you want to take this baby home and they knew it wasn't long-term, but this, this couple was heroic. They just decided, okay, as long as we have this baby, we are going to give this baby a full life in whatever they got. And so at the end of seven days, they threw a massive birthday party. Okay, and invited every relative, every friend over back in the days, pre, you know, 20 years ago when you could actually gather. And um, the second week they did the same thing. And then they went, well, if this baby's going to be around for a while. So they took the baby, they did every, they took the baby to Disneyland. They took the baby to the beach. They had a birthday party every single seven days for this baby. And this baby lived 10 weeks. And um, which was nine birthday parties, Disney, the whole thing. This heroic couple crammed this in. And then they, I got a phone call and they said, hey, you know, our son's passed away. Can you come over? I went over there. And she's still now holding the body of the, the lifeless body of the kid and um, of their son. And then they said to me before I left, they said, could, would you do the memorial service? And would, could you please say something that would make any sense of this? And which is every pastor's nightmare. Okay. And I prayed about it. I literally, I sat down with a sheet of paper and said, God, what in the world do you want me to say? And it was the two words you said, God said, when you're going through something like this, everybody wants clarity. 
everybody wants to know why would a good and loving God make this happen? Why would he let COVID out? Why would God, your wife? Why? And and I, I and the problem is this: there's all kinds of well-meaning Christians that'll tell you they haven't got a clue. Okay, and most of them are idiots, but they will tell you exactly. Well, God needed them more than you. You know, all of this stupid stuff, and it makes things worse. And so I just said that at the moral service. I said, I said, I don't have any. I said, I'm a pastor. I should know these answers. I don't have a clue. Okay, I don't have a clue. Uh, we looked through a glass dimly, and then I just said, clarity is not an option. Okay, certainty though is an option. And so let me tell you what I'm certain of. And I just wrote this thing. I am certain that your baby was loved by God. And I am certain your baby was loved by you. Every second of every day was alive more than maybe any kid in the history of California. I am certain that your baby, uh, I'm, as a matter of fact, I said, I am certain that every parent in America treated their kids like you treated your son. America would be a better place and have a future that we can, we're not going to have now. I'm certain that the last time your baby closed his eyes here, the next second he opened his eyes, it was the sunshine of God's love. And I am certain the next time you choked up talking about this couple, I am certain the next time you see your son, you will both be more alive than you have ever been. And, um, and so those of you, David, I'm an old guy and you're a young guy. I'm, probably, I'm close to your dad's age. They, um, I will be praying for you and all of you that are listening to this now and are listening to this in the future. I'll be praying that you all during these crazy times will not look for clarity. We'll, we'll go back to scripture, to the promise of God, to find things that are certain that are eternal and can't be taken away. So they, um, so, so anyway, those of you listening, David, I, you already know all this stuff, but I thought for everybody listening that to me, that was the only thing that helped me navigate that. And I love that you brought up those words earlier. Thanks. So, thanks. My pleasure. So appreciate you. So, um, John Valensky and Andrew, Oh, by the way, David, one last question. Um, the people listening are going to go, man, this Barna group, I should connect to them. How, how does everybody connect to you quickly? What, what one step should they do? Uh, well, you can uh, check out stuff at Barna.com and at BarnaAccess.com. Uh, the, the best place for church leaders to get the very best of Barna, uh, f- you know, for, to deploy for ministry during this disrupted time is BarnaAccess.com. And, and you can check that out. Fantastic. That's great. Um, John Valinsky, we have some announcements. Yes. So, uh, man, wow, that's a powerful story there, Ray. Uh, We just want to let you know, uh, we've got some great things planned for the upcoming weeks. Ray talked about next week. Um, In three weeks, we are going to have John Gray on with us. We uh, are working to schedule Brian Houston, a lot of great things. And then I'm going to put in the chat stream right now, uh, both on um, Facebook and on this chat stream uh, for a way for you to sign up uh, to get on the mailing list for the online conferences. We'll let you know when those registrations are live and what's going to be taking place. Also, uh, you can email your mean tweets and complaint letters and videos to info at thriveconference.org. That is in the chat as well, but um, we got some great things coming up. Make sure you're inviting friends and, uh, and getting lots of folks here and we will see you again next week. Back to you, Ray. That's right. Um, McCourt, anything you want to say? Uh, no, that's everything. Fantastic. Love speaking to David today. Rich stuff. Great stuff. Yep. And um, the last thing I want to say is this. Um, we will announce in the next 24 hours the title of next week. We got great stuff in the chat string. And somebody's talking. Um, and so we, we will let you know what that is. But we actually hope to unleash a whole bunch of things next week to help pastors who are under fire at a minimum understand they are not alone. Okay. And, um, and then give as many tools as we can to make it. We're also that we have some guests we're working on. Uh, we'll announce those way to release this information. So everybody, thanks. Love you all. Appreciate you all around the world. And um, David, one more time. Thank you. That was absolutely brilliant and inspiring at the same time. I got reams of notes to go over. So thanks a lot, Ray. Appreciate it so much. God bless. Thank you, David. Everybody, God bless. Thank you to the Grand Poobah, along with David Kinneman. And uh, we're, we, we, would, we would highly recommend you engage with the Barna Group. They've got a lot of free resources, and we all love free, mm-hmm. on their website, um, 
I believe it's barnagroup.com. Just just Google Barna and Barna Group, you'll find it. And uh, they also have some great tools that you can uh, that you can find there on their website. They're they're always creating new what they call monographs, and these are deep dive studies, you know, into into culture, into topics, into things that are prevalent in certain industries. And a lot of those are available on their website as well. So yeah, just keep, keep, keep going back to, uh, to what they're continuing to work on. Cause it's, they are, they're like the, uh, the futurist, you know, yeah. uh, for, for the, for the, for the ongoing church. So stay, yeah. stay in tune with them. Yep. I agree. I agree. And if you're looking for more things to be in tuned, we've got webinars that are happening weekly, which is really cool. I mean, Pastor Ray and and Andrew McCourt and Kurt, a number of guys are connecting with leaders like, you know, David Kinneman and, you know, Chad Veach and Rick Warren and, uh, you know, on and on it goes just on a variety of issues every single Wednesday. It's absolutely free. Uh, they usually run about an hour. So people are jumping on in their lunch hour, you know, on Wednesdays and they're hearing these, how a lot of these leaders are processing the things that they're dealing with right now. You know, this isn't just leadership speak. We're talking about how are they navigating current crises that are happening? You know, a lot of these churches that are closing doors, what are they doing with that? How are they doing online? How are they coaching their staffs during, you know, such a difficult and challenging, you know, time. So, you know, if you're looking for more resources and you're looking to just kind of connect to some leaders at a, in a very different way, you know, these guys aren't all platforms preaching or teaching. They're, they're talking, they're sharing real life in the trenches, stories, strategies, and insights that they're learning. So again, it's free thriveconference.org. Check that out. And then uh, of course, we've got all these podcasts just to get connected in. So there's no excuse really, Brad, there's no excuse for leaders to just not be getting some, some insights and some, some help. We have multiple rooms here within the, the, the thrive house that you can hang out in yep. and podcasts, webinars, uh, free videos. I mean, basically you can spend hours and hours and hours just hanging out on the thriveconference.org website. And digging sure. into resources. I mean, CJ, there's what seventy, maybe more interviews and talks from Thrive Summit that are on Thrive Summit alone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't, now don't don't tell your boss that we said to do this. But <laughs> just spend the next couple of days at work, just like watching all those Thrive Summit talks. Yeah, take great use of your time. I mean, the fact is, you're probably playing solitaire anyway, right? <laughs> so. Let's put yeah, that what, time to good use. What is the game these days? You know, remember when Angry Birds was all the rage? Oh, yeah, yeah. I you still, know, what, I still play the Angry Birds on the old yeah. iPad. Oh yeah, definitely. Man. It, listen, it it's it doesn't. It may have gone out of style, but it's still good. Oh yeah. You know, that's, Angry Birds. That's that's, that's, it, that's the game you're playing when you're bored, huh? You're not doing like that little diner dash or something. You know, well, little one. I, you know, I've got some of those goofy games like. uh the bowling game. I like that one. Uh, if you're on the plane, I mean, if I'm on a plane and I'm, um, I'm sitting, waiting, you know, for whatever, it, mm. I'm usually working on a plane. So that's the first thing. Uh, but I'm also then texting, but occasionally, you know, I will, I will, I like to play chess mm. on my phone and I like, there's a, I can't think of the app name, but you know, there's a chess app where you can play other, other people. Sure. And, uh, that's fun. You know, so I got a few friends that I know that are on there and I'll just hit them up and, and it's, it's, I'm not very good at it, but I like, that's one of those that I, I, I go to. So I'm not as much the goofy games or the candy crush. I'm much more either getting work done or a few things like, uh, the angry birds bowling. Mm. Uh, I wish they'd make one of those bottle flip games that was in an app. <laughs> Somebody needs to come up with that. You're going to flip you know your people. phone or what are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know. That's exactly. That's my point. I, somebody from way smarter than, than me mm. needs to come up with the bottle flip equivalent. Okay. Even though that was like 2015 when that was cool, but still. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's one TikTok video away from coming back. It, it could be. Could I mean, be. You, what are you, what, what are your go-to? Like, do you have a go-to app on your phone or your iPad? That, <sighs> Not games. I was just thinking about this. I'd like you. It's mostly just work. Work, right? I mean, you know, yeah. and yeah, I might or, get on there. Reading a book or something. Yeah. 
I do, I do have like podcasts that I've downloaded if I know I'm going to travel and or playlists on my Spotify app that, you know, can play if I'm in the, in the airplane and then, you know, Kindle obviously, but. And Netflix app too, you know, that's, that's a go-to download the movies onto the Netflix app and then watch watch those on the plane. There you go. But you never know what you're going to get, uh, on the, uh, on the entertainment system. (laughs) If they have one. Yeah, it's true. They have one. And, and right now there hasn't been any movies that have been created. Right. uh, You know, I'm a, I'm a Delta diamond guy and the last several flights, it's the same movies, man. Come on. Like, give me something you can pull out of the archives and just throw in there like diehard. Right. Like how many times are you going to watch? Remember the Titans? Exactly. I mean, (laughs) I'm just, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting on the same movies now for since March. Come on, Delta. Come on, Delta. Come on, Ed Bastion. Let's go, man. (laughs) You're keeping that middle seat open for me, which I appreciate. Right. Uh, But you're not updating the old entertainment system. So Mm. put somebody on that, uh, get somebody moving on that, Ed, and then, you know, call me if you need anything. <laughs> you got, um, yeah, we we've gone completely off the rails, but we gotta, we gotta we, go. Listen, this is what the people actually connect to many times. Uh, we do have to wrap this one up. And again, thanks to David Kinneman, who is the smartest guy in the room when you and I are in it, and mm. Ray Johnson as well. I am CJ. I'm I'm Brad actually. <laughs> That's CJ across from me, and we are your host. We thank you for listening. And uh, as always, we're looking for healthy leaders and thriving churches, and that's what we want you to be. So lead well this week, and we'll talk to you on the next episode.